Logo Geeks, it's Ian Paget here. I'm back with another podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. On this week's show, I'm joined by Ben Louise to discuss how you can offer more services to your clients beyond just logo design. But before we get into that, I want to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created using Adobe Stock Assets. And if your amazing moodboard design is chosen, you would be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other talented designers, art directors, and creatives where the winner goes home with $1,000. It's totally free to participate in the perfect match. And by simply submitting an entry, Adobe will give you a gift for your time. To learn more about that enter enter, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash logo geek. So something I realized recently was I actually started this podcast just under five years ago. I mean, five years is such a long time. And uh, yeah, that first season was released back in August 2017. And things have really come a long way since then. Um, I've worked really hard over the years to improve with each episode. And if you listen right back from the beginning, you'll notice that I slowly improve bit by bit. So the audio quality improves, my confidence has grown significantly, and just simply the overall quality and production and style and everything of the show has improved so much. So yeah, go and check back the earlier episodes and hopefully uh, that might inspire you to do um, a podcast on your own. But anyway, now I've done, you know, well over 100 episodes now. And it's been a long time since I spoke to a lot of those earlier guests. I thought something really great to do would be able to go back to some of those early guests and bring them back on the show to do a new episode with them. So of those early guests, and this was someone that was part of season two, was a designer friend of mine, Ben Louise. And uh, I just want to say, I actually pronounced Ben's surname incorrectly in that episode. And um, I'm really sorry about that, Ben. I think I called you Ben Loise. It should be Ben Louise. So I'm really sorry about the error. Uh, But anyway, of all of the episodes that I've recorded, there's a handful of conversations that are very memorable for me. They, They stick in my mind. And the interview I did with Ben is one of those. It's very value packed. So if you haven't listened to the original interview with Ben, Make sure that you go back and check that out either after this or maybe even prior to listening to this interview. Um, But you can find it by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash 2.7. So since that interview, me and Ben, we've had numerous conversations over the past few years. And there's one topic that we've discussed briefly and uh, I, I wanted to dive into it in more detail with him. And I think it'd be uh, really beneficial to bring you along with that conversation as well, is to discuss how he goes about offering more than just a logo. Because something that I really love about Ben's portfolio is that it's mostly using photography. And there's very few graphic designers that I see out there that actually use photography of the work. And I think one of the things that makes Ben's portfolio stand out is he is providing a whole solution. Like he's not just doing a logo, he's actually designing other things and also helping his clients to implement that too. So this is something that I really uh, wanted to talk to him about. So in this episode, we take a deep dive on this topic. Uh, So uh, talking about 
how he actually approaches the initial conversations with clients to sell a, a larger package beyond just the logo and how he goes about working with partners so that he's able to offer services beyond what he can do on his own. Um, at the end of the conversation, we also discuss something that he shared with me recently that I found really inspiring. So as a graphic designer, it's easy to fall into the trap of only ever doing creative work uh, when someone pays you to do it. But I know from prior experience, working on a passion project is really important. And he shared uh, what he's been doing with me uh, recently that involves painting so I wanted to have a chat about this too. So we dive into his project called Other Things, which I hope will be inspiring for you too. Um, so let's just get straight into this. Here is the interview with Ben Louise. So Ben, you've been on the podcast before. And previously, we went through so many topics, and that was a couple of years ago now. And uh, I know we've had private conversations back and forth between us. And I think a really good topic that I'd love to go into with you, and I think it's great that we can record this publicly so that other people will get um, some something out of this, is to go into how you work with clients to offer more than just a logo um, so I put together a couple of questions so that we've got some structure to this so I think as a starting question why do you feel that graphic designers should offer clients more than just a logo right well first Ian I just want to say uh, thank you for having me again yeah I, I realize it's been I think about four years since yeah, our last while time. right right <laughs> So I think we'll have a lot to talk about. I'm really excited to both catch up and to uh, talk about this topic. So your question is, why should designers offer more than just a logo? Well, you know, uh, clients have a lot on their plate. And um, many times they can only see the thing in front of them. And sometimes the thing in front of them is a logo. Sometimes they only see uh, the need uh, for a logo. The question is, will the logo solve the problem that they have? Or even once they have a logo, a great logo, how will it be used and will it be used in a way that will help them? So uh, it, it's helpful to move from the angle of just taking a request or, or receiving a request at face value to discovering what their need is and how you can best serve them. And so uh, when we speak to a client, it's not merely about getting a new project or getting a new job, but what is the client need and how can my services help them? So then a conversation begins. Um, and in this way, you can really um, bring some benefit, bring help to the client with what you, you can offer. And so uh, maybe it's less about offering more than just a logo and, uh, you know, more about getting to know the needs of the client, why they came and uh, kind of discovering together how you can best serve them. So I would yeah. say that's the maybe initial way that I would answer that question. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, it's an interesting one because personally, um, the bulk of my clients and I think it's partly because of how I'm personally positioned is mm -hmm. they just come to me for a logo. I do have a handful of clients that do other stuff, but in general, um, the bulk of my clients do the logo and then away they go and they start using it. And I've had that experience where clients don't know how to use it. I, I, can, right. I, can, I can show them examples, but in general, they plonk it in place. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I think something that you do well, and we can talk about this later, we, we discussed it briefly on our last interview, but one thing that you're very good at, and it's why I wanted to talk about this particular topic, is that in your portfolio, you're able to show how it's used in real life and always looks good because you have worked with the client to actually offer those services. So 
I think in, uh, so that we can continue focusing on that. You briefly answered this then, but I, I, I think you'll probably have more to say on this. So when the client gets in touch, mm-hmm. I know I personally, they usually come to me just for a logo. And right. again, that's partly because of how I'm positioned in, in the market. Um, how do you go about that initial conversation so that you're able to, like say if they come to you for a logo, how do you go about selling more than just a logo? Because most of your clients look like you are providing a lot more than just a logo design. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I think to begin with, um, it's, it's helpful to, uh, to have a certain kind of mindset to not come in to upsell per se, because, right. you know, when we're trying to upsell, they get it. And, you know, no one likes to be, <laughs> uh, to come for something. And then the person they're coming to for the help tries to sell more, yeah. but, but it's, it's more about having a discussion again to, to understand what they need. In fact, sometimes when a client comes and asks for a logo in their mind, they're envisioning s- something larger. Sometimes they're envisioning a brand identity or they're envisioning what they saw another company do, but they don't have the words to ask in the way that we would under- understand it. So we have to kind of discuss and, and, and see where they're at. The, the, the initial conversation is really a, uh, learning about them. We're learning about them, but they're also learning about what we do and what we can offer. So sometimes I may even ask if they're familiar with the distinction or the difference between a logo and an identity. And then I'm able to explain um, how limited maybe a logo-only project can be for their business. Um, you know, my studio normally, or we, you know, I rarely take on logo-only projects so this is part of the first conversation is going from a logo alone concept to a brand identity and then showing how that brand identity, how those elements or this toolkit could be applied. Um, and so through these kinds of conversations, you're opening windows, you're opening doors, you're opening their eyes to see what this could be. You know, we have... Um, as as people who are designers, who are creative people, we have a, a lot of ideas and um, we can see things that many people can't see. Sometimes, you know, they have a, a vision uh, for their company and what it should be in their heart. They can't visualize it. That's why they're coming to you. But we can, uh, through kind of discovery, understand their company, envision and actually create what that future could be like. And so uh, I think the conversations at the beginning bring you there um, as you're learning more about their their company. And, you know, sometimes they, they maybe they just want to start with a logo or maybe they just want to start with a smaller visual identity. Then it's really... Um, kind of the things that happen as you're working together, which is all about building relationships, um, taking care of their needs so that you're bringing in an environment where you t- the two want to continue to work together. So um, being helpful, being honest, being trustworthy, being transparent with your questions and answers, being on time, um, over-delivering when you're able to, keeping them up to date with what's happening in the project, um, even uh, saying thank you <laughs> after a project. All of these things create an atmosphere where they can envision continuing to work with you to develop and strengthen uh, their brand. It's, it's really a, creating a kind of a team environment or a partnership kind of view so that you have a future with them and uh, not just kind of a, a one-off kind of an attitude on, on either side. Yeah, I think that partnership is definitely um, important. Just going back to some of the stuff that you said, you, you spoke about learning about them and mm-hmm. I do something like that, like, you know, I'll, I'll always ask questions, but I think since there's a range of different people listening to this, you know, some that 
might not know what to ask. Mm-hmm. How would you approach learning about them? What what type of questions do you usually ask on that initial conversation to understand um, who they are and and uh, you know what they might potentially need help with? Well, uh, I, I definitely try to get some background on their company. I think probably most of us would like what kind of company they are. Um, what their hopes and dreams are for their company. I try to understand why they're looking for a logo, whatever they asked for, why they're looking for that at that point, and what they hope it will accomplish for their company. Like, you know, how will uh, this logo or this identity um, accomplish what they hope? Uh, you know, where will it take them? And so a lot of times with this, you see that their dream and vision is bigger than what they're asking for will provide. So, for example, they may want to grow in a certain area of their business. But we know as, a, as, as designers that, you know, a logo is not a logo on, on its own is not necessarily going to help their business to to grow in that way. We may uh, put them visually in a place where they can stand next to their competitor and uh, both look distinct and maybe even look like a better option than, than their competitor. But there are other things that they need to do that can take them there. And if we can help them with those things, then we begin to have um, those discussions. And so Maybe, maybe as an example, um, maybe there's a company who does marketing on social media, on, on Instagram, and you find out that that's one of the main places that they do their marketing. So you might ask them, oh, so how is it going? How is your current marketing going on Instagram? And they may sh- say that they're struggling, or they may say, you know, it takes me so long to develop a post. Sometimes I, 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 I'm, I'm spending all morning thinking about what I should post. So that's, that's outside of doing a logo, but it is something related to the application of the identity, the application. And so uh, you, you, now you know that there's this pain point. They're wasting a lot of time. They don't know what to post. And so you may consider, well, you know, if we work together, we could discuss some of your brand attributes. We could come up with some key words and then we could develop some social pillars or brand pillars and do a series, a, a, few, a few categories of kinds of posts that you can do. And with the elements of an identity, because now we're not just talking about a logo, but if we have a color palette that represents those attributes. If we have typefaces that represent those attributes and maybe some patterns or illustrations or photography, then we can develop some of these posts ahead of time. They'll be they'll all be wrapped around your brand attributes and we can create a number of these things in advance and you can post them. Wouldn't you like to have more time with your to spend on your business and with your family? And that really touches a pain point or that touches something that can help them. That is an extension of just the logo. So now in order to do this, we need to think about or develop or discuss these brand attributes. We need to develop a toolkit of pieces, uh, more than just a logo, some of those that I just mentioned, so that we have the visual elements to have a consistent voice when they're on their social media channel. Maybe another uh, person, they need a sign, or maybe another person needs a book that they're putting out. Uh, You know, whatever it is, you're discussing these things. And as you see either pain points or opportunities or, um, you know, how they're envisioning their company growing, you can just see how you can fit and take care of them and meet that need or uh, elevate even the, the initial idea they have to a place they haven't imagined yet. And so, again, it's, it's 
it's not so much merely upselling to do more and to make more money. It's learning where they are, what their needs are, so we can meet those needs or we can help them in that area to build and grow their business. And I think in that sense, you're building trust. That's where I talked about transparency and honesty in our questions and answers. Um, And you're building a relationship. Everyone wants someone who they can trust uh, to, to help them through their decisions and their, their business ideas. And so if you can become that one, if you can become that resource, then there's opportunity for you to do a lot more and develop more work for them and a larger uh, span or, or a larger um, portfolio of items that you, you can produce for them. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. Um, so something I'm wondering, mm-hmm. Uh, in the cases where you see the opportunity to provide uh, more than a logo, how are you going about showing what you can do for them? Like, do you have some kind of list of services so that uh, they can see everything that you can potentially help with? Or are you uh, simply diagnosing uh, what they need on a case-to-case basis and providing a solution Uh, during that conversation? I think it's a little bit of both, but it's probably more of the latter. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, my studio rarely does logo-only projects, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, uh, I I, I don't often or hardly ever uh, get a call or an email to do something like a website or a sign or a flyer. Uh, my studio specializes in brand identity design, and so that's what I will. I will. That's the request I will get. But w- but really, in the end, what is brand identity design? And in in when you view it and holistically with its application, it ends up being sometimes a website. It ends up being a sign. It ends up being a book or a booklet. It ends up being all of those things. And so when the initial conversation happens, again, I may describe or ask them questions to understand what kind of business they are. And then maybe I'll present some ideas that broaden their imagination uh, concerning what they can do with this identity. Uh, I think it's also done in presentations. It's why it's so helpful in presentations to show applications that relate to that client. Um, in presentations, I don't have a, um, you know, just a general list of like every presentation I show a T-shirt and every presentation I show, I don't know, a business card. But I'm thinking about that client. What does that client do? And so... If it's a particular client kind of client that does events, I'll show a badge, like a conference badge. I may show a notebook with a pen next to it. Uh, and these are just applications. These are just showing them what this could become. If they're if they you know need a website or whatever, I may show them the identity applied in a website. Um, and so, so sometimes it's in the early conversation where, all of these items are added into the project scope. Other times, they're just looking for an, an initial identity. And then because of the presentation, wow, oh, I didn't know we could do this, or I didn't know that we could make this feel this way as well. And they start seeing these uh, these applications start becoming more real. And there is where they... Uh, you know, learn that I can help them in those areas too. Now, that being said, um, I do have a brief kind of list of services on my website. Um, I also share examples on social media. And on my website, on all the case studies like you've seen, uh, I show examples of identities being built out. So sometimes it's interior graphics for a business that has an office and they need graphics in their interior or some kind of wayfinding. Uh, sometimes it's signage. Sometimes it's 
If it's for a restaurant, maybe it's food packaging. Um, I show those on my site so that there's, uh, just like you see it and may inspire you, others, potential clients can see it there uh, and be inspired by it also. But I think the main place it happens is through the conversations, um, really trying to understand them and which areas of their business I can help them with. Then I'll suggest something or I'll propose uh, working on a project together or that we could use this identity to then build another project. And that dis- discussion just begins from there. Yeah, that, that's a nice way of doing it, actually. If you are showing it, you know, that kind of sows the seeds within that initial presentation. And yep. then you can have that separate conversation later on, say, you know, I can help you um, actually apply this type of thing. Um, something else I wanted to ask you, and I, I I don't know if this is something that you offer, but say like on your website, every like listeners need to go and look at Ben's website. His portfolio is in- incredible. And something that I like about it is that in most cases, I don't know if it's in all cases, but in most cases, it all looks like photos. So something I've always wondered is say like the interior graphics, and you've got mm-hmm. a few examples on your website. Um, obviously you've done the artwork for it but in terms of applying it as well is that something that you're offering assistance with or are you just giving your client the artwork and you know letting them figure out who they uh, need to work with to actually implement that I guess it depends Uh, I think signage and interior graphics are could be could be complicated um, for a client that doesn't have a contact or or understand those things. Now I'm not generally applying it myself, but I will help them find a uh, company that does signage or a company that does application of interior graphics, and I'll work with that company. Um, and so I'll I'll produce the files and and uh, and send it to that company. And sometimes I'll be on site when the sign is. Um, when the sign is installed and, and, and things like that. But in some cases, you know, if it's, let's say, a flyer or a bookmark or, you know, it's just something very simple. Um, and, you know, there are so many companies out there right now that, you know, you, you can create an account on their website and they offer all kinds of printed materials. If the client does that already and is comfortable doing that and that's the place that they produce things at sometimes i'll just send them the uh the files the print ready files and let them take care of it um and in other cases i i have a, a pretty wide list of printers and and people like this so uh, and relationships with many of them as well so sometimes i refer you know even to help that printer get some more work in, I'll refer a printer uh, to to the client and I'll work with them and take care of that side of things as well. So it really depends on the client and what we have agreed on. Yeah, that you answered that how I was hoping that you would. So I've got um, a few more questions that I want to ask to um, sure. dive into this. So in those cases where, say, they do need signage and they want more graphics and stuff like that, uh, things that you said would be more complicated for the client. How is that relationship working? Because obviously you now need to hire a separate company or you need to inform the client to hire that separate company. Right. Um, so in, in terms of my questions, how is that relationship working? Like, is your client just coming to you and you doing everything for them? So working directly with that supplier or are you getting them to contact that supplier and uh, you're like charging by an hourly rate or something like that to provide extra support. Can you talk through how, how that actually would work in terms of offering that service? Right. Again, I think it's different for each one. There are a few clients that don't want to have any dealings with uh, printers or anything like that. And so they they prefer you to just bake it into your 
fee. You know, just add it into your rate and they want to get a box one day and that's it. And so in those cases, you just work that into your fee. You can work, you, you work in, of course, the cost of the printing. You talk to the printer um, and ask them how much it will cost. And you, you put an additional amount onto that because of the work you're doing, dealing with them. Um, in other cases, and actually I prefer uh, when the client uh, is somewhat, so it's, I think it is important for my studio to be involved to some degree because I need to approve and, and do quality control to make sure things are correct. But I actually prefer the client to have some kind of contact with that printer or manufacturer and they're dealing with the payment side and I'm just dealing with that printer in terms of sending files. So my, my interaction with the client is back and forth until something is approved and then I either send the file to the client or I upload it and send it straight to the printer. If I have a relationship with the printer, it doesn't really change things much. Uh, that client would just create an account with that printer. So that, that, that just removes the added layer of details. They, they, they can pay for that on their own. Um, they can do it when they want. They can pay for rushes if they want. Uh, you know, all of these details. So I prefer actually to um, kind of just refer a particular uh, printer or, or, or maker to the client who can produce this thing as a physical object or whatever it is. And then um, I, I work with the printer to produce it on their template or in the right way that they need it. And the client deals with them on the more, you know, order and business and shipping and those details. But again, I've done both. Depending on what the client needs and wants, we'll, we'll, we can work that out together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I ask how you are pricing for this? Because when when they're coming directly with uh, to you and you're working with partners, that makes sense because you are getting a quote from the company. Um, you're basically putting that in your proposal plus whatever time uh, you need. Um, in the scenario where they're working with a third party, you obviously need to get involved in some degree, whether that's preparing artwork, sending it over to the supplier, uh, checking any proofs or you know, doing quality control, like you said. That obviously takes time. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you go about making sure that you are paid accordingly for that time? Well, you could either add it to the, the, the project. You know, let's, let's say it's a brochure. Mm -hmm. You could add it to that project if if you're going to. So in some cases, you know, there's companies like Moo, M-O-O. -O, I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, Moo.com. Yeah, right. that's a really popular one. <laughs> right. So let's say a client wants to use Moo. There's not too much quality control. There's not too much back and forth. There may be a PDF proof, but sometimes on those websites, there's not. There, there's not much there apart from making your art print ready and that part of your work should be included in your fee already mm -hmm. uh, in, in in producing the piece um if there's going to be something more then you can either add it to your fee the fee for that brochure so the it, it's basically whatever you charge for your brochure plus a a press fee and in, in, in if you're going to be going like getting in your car and driving to the press to approve or if you're going to be dealing with them via email let's say it's a brochure that's custom it's not from a place like moo but it's from a printer that does custom cutting and you have die cuts and special you know finishes and you're going to be going back and forth a bit then then you can again either add it to the rate for that brochure or you can just have a separate line in your invoice um, that is consulting or, or pre-press or uh, whatever you want to call it to take care of that amount of time and amount of work that you're doing. 
I interrupt this interview for a short message from the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created with Adobe stock assets and earn your chance to play on a game show to win big. As designers, we pitch good vibes and great ideas through visuals all day, every day. But how well does our design communicate? Do clients and higher-ups really understand the work we put in front of them? Well, let's find out. Test your skills by assembling a brand-inspired mood board with Adobe stock images to the perfect match. And if your skillful product is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other groovy designers, art directors, and creatives where the winner goes home with $1,000. It's free to participate in the perfect match. And if you submit an entry, Adobe will give you a gift for your time. To take part and to learn more, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash logogeek. That's theperfectmatch.co forward slash logogeek. So now let's get back to the interview. So another question I have in relation to this. So you've mentioned about building partnerships with all these different suppliers and you mentioned that you have a long list of these companies I mean obviously that's taken time for you to do that and there will probably be people listening to this that just don't have those relationships yet or they don't have that list of suppliers how have you gone about finding and sourcing uh, reliable companies that you you can actually work with yeah well with some of it is by trial and error, uh, of course. And so that's w- what you're referring to when you said it takes time. Mm-hmm. So some printers that I no longer work with are because of the experience I had with them. Um, sometimes it's just looking. Uh, it, it's helpful to have, I, w- I would say this, it's it's helpful to have a local printer who you can create a relationship with and visit and learn about printing and pre-press. Now, you don't have to become a pre-press person. You don't have to become a printer. But as a designer, even as you are laying things out, making things, you need to know what options you have. You need to know what is going to cost your client more and or how to save them money. Um, you know, when you build a relationship with a printer they begin to tell you things. Okay, so you can do it cheaper if you run it on this press because we're running it along with other jobs or, um, you know, we have a cheaper way to do that. And so anyways, they're they're kind of, because now you're, you're, you're quote, quote, your friends, you're building a relationship and they're letting you in on the information that they have because they they too are trying to take care of you. And in that sense, you can take care of the client and you can, have the knowledge to um, offer them suggestions that will help them or reduce their cost or um, all of these things. So I would say it's helpful to find a client, uh, a, a, a printer or some kind of company nearby. And if it seems like they do good work and you'd like to continue working with them, just sit down, ask them questions, um, uh, get to know them. Uh, you know, the more you refer work to them, the more they're going to try to help you out. And you begin to learn about how to set up your files, how to, again, save money for your client. You begin to learn what their offerings are, you, you know, like what kind of features this this printer has so that you can broaden your horizon of what you can produce. So that was that's the first thing I would build a relationship with with some people. Um, maybe look for a sign maker, look for an offset printer, look for a letterpress printer, and just begin to support these companies, try them out uh, with different clients. So I have a list of companies like that. I also have a list of these kind of cheaper, more digital online solutions. Um, some of them are better at things than others. Um, some of them focus on 
maybe stationary a little bit more and some focus on, uh, you know, posters or, you know, books, different things. So there are these online solutions. And I just basically, I personally, what I do is create a Trello board and it's, I have a Trello board for printers and I have one section with a bunch of cards for offset and digital printers, one kind of row with a bunch of cards for apparel and t-shirt printers. This is both silk screening and digital printing on apparel. I have another section for ephemera or or they're they're just like smaller items like stickers, um, pins, bookmarks, whatever. I have another section for packaging. I have another section for signage. And when I, and you know, in each section, I may have like six to 10 options to choose from. So I'll, whenever I'm working on a project, I'll just go through. And in fact, sometimes I may, when, if a client says, I want to do stationary, I may take them to one of these places and show them, okay, th- these, these are the different kind of stationary that they provide. They provide um, custom design branded tape. They provide envelopes, they provide stickers, they provide tissue paper for your packaging. And again, what this does is, wow, I didn't, I never knew these ideas existed. And, and now they see the opportunity they have to wow their customer. And so again, this is another way to kind of help build their, their brand out. But anyways, all of this said, I think it, it takes time, but I would suggest there's a lot of benefit in building a relationship with some of these vendors so you can learn about what they do and how you can use them and their resources. And again, you begin to help them, they begin to help you. Sometimes you even get lower rates on jobs because you send them a lot of work. So anyways, again, I would go back to the concept of relationship building. Yeah, and I I very much agree with that because at the very first company that I worked at, it was a medical company and they used a local printer. And what was great about that, when I was learning, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they were really great with answering questions and showing me things. They, they did a tour. They, they let me understand how the press works. They, they basically did, did all the works and, uh, I got to know, um, Phil who, who worked there and, uh, you know, if there was anything that was wrong, cause I remember I did, um, you know, spot UV and the first time I did it, I did it wrong. Mm-hmm. They actually came in and shown, you know, and said, you know, just look, so you know that this isn't right. And they was able to help do it correctly. But I know w- with a lot of the services that I use now myself, most of the time I use printed.com, which, mm-hmm. you know, is, it's cheap, is quick and easy for things like business cards or, or whatever. But actually, you know, when I compare some of that to what they did, they did like high quality stuff, obviously right. a lot more expensive, but there was that relationship there. We could always ask questions. Uh, if we needed something done quickly, they were able to accommodate for that because we was obviously a good client for them. But yeah, that the experience with them is a thousand times better than a lot of the simple stuff that I'm doing at the moment where I am just using moo.com or printed.com or something like that. Right. And, and, and you know, there's a place for both. Um, sometimes uh, there's a need for something cheaper and quick or you know some of these uh, online options have features that they've found a way to do a little bit cheaper because they, they they that's the way they set up their business that's the way they set up their printers um maybe they run things digitally and then put a spot varnish on them so it's it becomes a lot cheaper to have a similar effect um but in the end of the day if when the client is looking for, you know, top quality options, paper, you know, all of these details, you you at least have that printer to go to um, that that can provide that. And, and again, like you said, I think many have experienced sending something to the press. Maybe something was off. Maybe something was wrong. They just print it anyway and you get it back and it's messed up. Whereas 
I've, I've had the same experience where a printer that we have a relationship with may just, you know, they stop and give you a call and, hey, I saw this. Do you want to take care of it before we <laughs> go? And so, so they're, they're looking out for you uh, because you're looking out for them and because you have this relationship. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I totally agree with that. Um, so another question I have in relation to this. So these partnerships, mm-hmm. when you spoke about um, offering other services, right? one of the examples was like, say, web design. And say if hypothetically you have no idea how to build a website, with the partnerships, are you also working with other people that can solve those things like say you know if you can't do web design would you hire a web designer to fulfill that uh, part of the project for you uh yes uh but i'm generally speaking i'm not hiring at random and i I'm, I'm not hiring from like any of those websites where uh you know there may be some like hundreds of designers uh looking for work um, but, uh, I work with a number of designers, developers who I trust so that I can offer a wider range of services. And so, um, where do I find the designers? Some, I think I've shared with you in the past, I, I feel very strongly about mentorships and apprenticeships. So I'm always uh, working with younger designers to kind of bring them up and to help them to grow and to learn. Sometimes they become the designers that I work with or I put onto projects. Maybe it's just because I don't have the bandwidth or the time or the capacity to work on that project while I'm working on other things. So I'll put one of the designers I'm in contact with uh, on that job through my studio and um, and just work with them and, you know, art direct and, and um, kind of do it that way. Uh, then there are other designers who are like partners uh, who I work with um, in that live in various places. Today, it's great because, the, you know, you, the, the ones you work with don't have to live in the same city as you. So I have a few designers um uh, different places in the US that I work I've been working with uh for a while and we'll work together. I also have uh, like an animator that I work with and I I have a developer, a web developer that I work with. And so uh, I don't do web development. Uh and so when there's a need for a website, that's the time to bring on my developer. When there's a need for a logo to be animated or maybe it's a short spot like an advertising spot or commercial or something that needs animation i have an animator who can help with that um if it's uh, you know i have uh, there there are designers i'm i i i uh, partner with that are really good at laying out books and detailed typography and so if i don't have the again the span the time i i can bring them on and they can take care of that and so i think that um in that sense um there are a few ways to go of course there are sites where like i mentioned earlier where designers are putting up their availability for work i tend to not go that route but that's one route that a person can go um I'm always keeping my eyes open for younger designers or, 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 you know, just, I've been in the industry for a while. So there are, you know, the, the partners that I've, I've, we, we've had a trusting relationship for a long time that I work with and it just opens up again, more possibility for your business to grow because you can take on work even when you don't have the capacity alone to do it. Um, but also I, I don't animate. I personally don't animate. I, I do storyboards. I, I can do creative for animations and come up with ideas and, and all of those things and hand them over to an animator. But I don't animate myself, but I do have that resource. So my clients don't have to go and scramble the internet to find an animator. 
they can get that service straight through my studio, nor do they have to scramble to find a developer. Sometimes it's really difficult to find uh, web developers that you know you trust you can trust and just like any other you know area. So to have those people uh, um, is important in the growth of your business and what you can offer for your clients. Um, I think just work, you know, working with different people, trying things out, maybe the best place to start. Or again, you can, you know, try looking at some of the websites where um, designers offer their services. With these people that you work with, are you transparent with your clients that you are uh, collaborating with a team of other people? Or are you keeping it relatively simple and uh, taking on the project and being the main point of contact, but you know the the, the client doesn't necessarily need to know that. Uh, again, this is a thing that depends. Um, there are times where, let's say, I'm working on a project and I'm building out an identity, and all of a sudden the client would like something specific. Uh, maybe it's a little animation, or maybe it's an icon set. And I bring on someone else to do it. Sometimes the client doesn't know. They just, you know, to them, it doesn't really matter who made it. It, it, They just want that icon set. So I just bring the person on and they can work on it that way. Other times, um, sometimes when it's a larger project, like a, a campaign for a conference or something like that, I will put together a team and that team will be involved in some way. Sometimes the team is involved in um, presentations. Um, you know, they're visible in some way to the client in that project. But it really depends on the situation. It depends on the client. It depends on the particular thing I need someone's help with. Um, you know, the the scale of the project. Um, but I think it's both ways. Sometimes they just see that they came to my studio and they they got everything they need. Sometimes they see a little bit larger of a team working together on their project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of what we've been speaking about. So, you know, um, being able to offer a complete solution, it makes a lot of sense to bring in other people and to build partnerships and stuff like that. So I hope through that conversation that we've had over the last sort of almost 50 minutes now has answered people's questions and given enough information around uh, offering more than a logo. But I want to spend the last 10 minutes talking about something else that you spoke about with me privately a couple of days ago that's inspired me and I think it will inspire other people. So I want to ask you about it. Um, So I think as graphic designers, it's really easy to get into the routine of the only creativity you do is stuff that basically makes you money. So either working with clients or working on like some marketing material or something like that to attract clients and, um, you know, other creative um, endeavors. In my case, I mean, not everyone listening will be in the, in the same situation, but in my case, I don't do a lot of other creative stuff just for fun. But you've started to. So uh, you shared with me this painting project that you've been working on called Other Things. Right. I know it's not logo design, but it has this typography element to it. And I think it's cool. And I'd love to talk about it. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, you know, those creative projects that you're doing outside of paid client work? Right. Well, I would just begin by saying I think it's so important for designers to be curious, to always be have their eyes open and looking for inspiration, looking for ways to grow, looking for things to learn. Maybe it was in our last podcast where I mentioned or some some in some conversation with you, I've mentioned things like gardening, you know, like. I'm not saying everyone needs to become a gardener, but what I'm saying is that you can find inspiration from gardening. You can find inspiration from going to a museum. You can find inspiration uh, from in so many ways in life, in conversations, 
Um, we just keep our eyes open and it helps us to be a more rounded designer. If all we know and all we think is kerning and which typeface just got released, probably our work will look and feel a certain way. But if we have other inspirations, whether it's books we read on other topics than design uh, and any of the other things I just mentioned, we bring to the table something else. We bring to the table different colors. We bring to the table different ideas, different solutions. It just expands who we are as a designer. So that being said, I, I always promote with those I'm mentoring or in talks like this that designers can learn to stretch and expand their intake. And so um, anyways, to get to your main question, what is this project Other Things? I have a background in, in art. I, I grew up doing art as a kid. I studied um, drawing and painting in, in school and for a long time had painted uh, and did artwork in various kinds. I, I, for some years, focused on silkscreen printing for a while. But there was a, a period of time where I stopped making art, like, you know, just expressive art, expressing something. Um, I was still again, being inspired in many different ways, but I wasn't making art for, for a long time. One day, uh, my son and I, we were at a museum in Los Angeles called the LACMA, and we came upon a painting, and it was a little watercolor painting uh, done in the kind of mid-century, maybe a little earlier, and it was just kind of these shapes, and I was struck by it. And in fact, when I went into this room in the museum, there was a sign that said no pictures. So I was like, I want to take a picture because I'm so inspired, but I'm not allowed. So I took a picture in my mind. And on the way home, um, I said to my son, hey, let's go to the art supply store. So we went and we bought a bunch of art supplies and watercolors and watercolor paper. And, and, and I, I didn't really work in watercolors before. I worked in other materials. I've wor worked in oil paint. I've worked in spray paint and silkscreen, like I mentioned, but not watercolors. This was something new that I was inspired by from that painting. We came home and we just started painting, me and my son. And at first I did a painting that looked kind of like the painting in the museum. And I was like, oh, that's nice. But right away I thought, well, that's just the painting from the museum. That's not like, <laughs> that's not me. And I've always worked in type. Even before I was a designer, I worked with letters um, for, for my artwork. And so I just began to make words and sentiments and phrases out of shapes, circles, squares, triangles, and painting them with watercolor. And I really loved, you know, normally watercolor is used in such a free organic way, but these paintings were very controlled in the sense that they're very sharp, clean shapes. They almost look like they're printed, but they're painted with watercolor. So the inside of the letters are very fluid and organic. And I began to consider the, even the words that I use and how these words can express something of hope and faith or the human experience, and um, just began to make many, many pa paintings. Uh, I was painting all the time. At some point, I had about 40, 50 paintings, and I wondered, what am I going to do with this? You know, I just have them in a flat file in my studio. So uh, I just discussed with my wife and was considering it myself as well, and, and I had some people beginning to inquire about them because I was beginning to post them. So I thought, let me make a small company or a small side project called Other Things. These are other things that I make uh, apart from commercial design or whatever you want to call it, brand, branding, brand identities. These are other things. And so I found the URL shopotherthings.com. I got Shop Other Things on Instagram. And I just began to post these paintings. And 
I it, it's 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 really th- one it's therapeutic to make. Two, I appreciate how the words connect with people. On the one hand, they're abstract. On the other hand, they say something, and those words connect with people on an emotional and experiential level. It's also flexing different muscles. Uh, you know, I'm able to be creative and express something that I'm not able to express as clearly when I'm doing uh, commercial design or, or, or identity design. It's just something that has sparked a new light in my life to be able to produce something that I love making and that to some degree hopefully makes other people happy or makes other people inspired. And I I look at it as, again, an extension of that same concept of always having your eyes open and staying inspired by other things than just design Because some of that inspiration and those elements can come back to the design work that you do. Um, And at least in my part, the design helped create the language and the aesthetic for my paintings as well. So they really work together um, as a team. But it's just another area that I've, you know, been able to focus on and, and, and develop. And so now... I have an online shop where I'm selling some of the works um, and I have an Instagram where I'm able to be creative and kind of show uh, behind the scenes how these are being made and show new paintings. So anyways, it's, it's, it's a really enjoyable process. And, um, and, you know, I hope in some way, whether it's through baking, gardening, painting, uh, you know, many designers could have other um, forms of inspiration that can add to their um, their visual language. Yeah, I, I've, I'm very much in favor of um, passion projects, which I, I mm-hmm. feel this is in, in this case, you know, it's, it's doing something that you enjoy and there's no uh, financial element of it. You're, you're purely doing it for fun. And uh, when I think back to um, the most rewarding work that I've done, most of that work has been passion projects mm-hmm. and i would say logo geek is started off as a passion project right. but it now just happens to be my full time um thing and uh you know it, it it's nice to be in a in a position where i started something on the side for fun because i was interested in it i was passionate about it and now it's become uh very much my life mm-hmm. you know it's uh, a, an important part and i think you know, you, you never know what could become of this other things, you know, as you work on it more and you start to sell more of these prints, you never know. It could become a whole new thing of its own. Right. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter because you're doing it for fun, uh, for therapeutic reasons. And uh, yeah, I, it's been a while since I've done a passion project. And I know when I saw what you was doing, it's like it, it got the cogs going. It's <laughs> thinking, what could I do? Um um, I've I've got a, an older sister that's been painting a lot the last couple of years, and uh, what she does now is for Christmas and birthdays, she generally paints a picture, and it's really nice. And uh, you know her and what you're doing, it's it's got me uh, inspired. I don't know what I'd do with that inspiration, but but you definitely got the cogs going, and I hope um, people will look at what you're doing. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so that people can follow you. Um, I love the videos because. For, for context, Ben's been filming himself painting. It's just nice to watch, you know, the the, the way you, you paint in a very slow, um, very careful, a very precise way. And it's just it's just nice to see. And uh, it's nice to see the work. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to support what you're doing through this. So I hope listeners will go and check that out. We'll go and check out your portfolio and go and check out everything that you're doing. But yeah, we've we've just hit that hour mark, so that's probably a good point to uh, wrap up this interview. Um, once again, it's been an absolutely fantastic interview. It's always a genuine uh, pleasure to uh, talk to you, Ben. So I hope listeners have enjoyed another hour with you. <laughs> um, I still feel like there's so much that we can talk about. So maybe you know, in a in a year's time, or you know, at some point in the in the future, I'll have to get you back on again, and I'll I'll try and come up with some. 
uh, new topics to talk about. But Ben, thank you so much for coming on again. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. Ian, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I, I agree. This has been uh, a wonderful uh, time to catch up and to uh, discuss these uh, these thoughtful questions. So I hope that in some way it, it helped uh, those who are, are, are listening in. Uh, of course, you know, if, if, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. But um, I, uh, Ian, thank you again. I, I appreciate having this opportunity and hope that uh, it was uh, as helpful for you as it is for me. Oh, definitely. It's been great for me. So I hope that listeners have enjoyed it just as much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben, for coming on for a second time. Uh, as always, uh, you provided incredibly thoughtful answers, and I hope that you've been able to inspire uh, lots of people that have listened to this episode. For links to Ben's social profiles and a transcription of this interview, go and check out the show notes for this episode, which you can find just by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash one two two and if you haven't already listened to the first interview that i did with ben make sure to go back and check out that as well uh, you can find that by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash 2.7 and don't forget to also go and check out the sponsor of this episode the perfect match and start working on your mood board design for a chance to win a thousand dollars and just by entering like i said earlier they give you a gift for your time too so to find it just go to the perfectmatch.co forward slash logogeek so thank you so much for listening and i'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the logogeek podcast